Hark, friends. Tis I, Gargle Max. Ensconcing your earholes with ribald heraldry and other such crazy crap. The Undead is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network which is powered by ATB. Find the network at www.albertapodcastnetwork.com. Hi everybody, my name is Trent Wilkie, and this is the Undad Podcast. This is a podcast about being a parent in this bizarro modernity. Also, it's about teamwork, because how else are you going to make a dream work? Hey, you dingleberries. This episode is titled, His Dumbledore is Shit. I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm a father of two kids and one rescue beagle. I'm a managing editor at the Edmonton Sun, Edmonton Journal, and Edmonton Examiner. And I have uh, zero tattoos or piercings. <laughs> I'm going to the grave pure. <laughs> Wait till the end of this. Yeah. I brought my kit. I'm <laughs> getting a dolphin tattooed on your lower back. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, you yeah. you have a week off, eh? I'm enjoying my the last day of the last weekday of my week off, and I went for a nice like eight k yeah. walk this morning. Nice. Yeah, with your with my better half with yeah. Sarah Jane. Yeah, you didn't take the rescue dog though. No, he's been stubborn on walks lately. What? Yeah, you can just you're you're allowed to drag them. Why well, he's on a, the grass, not on pavement, <laughs> but on the grass. We'll pick him up sometimes and carry him, and he'll just like, nope, I'm not going. He's seven years old. He's he's an old man. So seven times seven is. He's 49. I'm not the wow. oldest man in the house anymore, which is I feel good about. How old are your uh, your little ones? I guess they're not little anymore. No, right? 10. My son is 10, and uh, my daughter is six. Wow. Yeah. Do they, does it feel like that, or? Sometimes it feels like it's been 20 years, yeah. and sometimes it feels like, oh my God, I can't believe that another birthday just rolled around, and you yeah. think, where did all that time go? Yeah. And you wonder to yourself, like, did we miss out on anything? Like, are yeah. there things that we should have done with our kids so they're well-adjusted? <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. You know, where's the checklist? Where's uh, I know. <laughs> yeah. did, did we do all those things properly? He's, he's been killing birds in the backyard. Maybe that's a sign. <laughs> so I was once told that as your children get older, you start caring about them less. Is that true? No, I find I find in our case it's more. I, what? Truly, I no, know. I was yes. told by a highly reliable source. Well, I mean, it's you stop. There's that sense that you're like. I have to give them more freedom mm-hmm. to fail or to succeed or to do things on their own. And so you're stepping away a bit. But I find even that is a is a challenge because you can see when they fail and how it affects them. And you just want to swoop in. It's like, oh, it's okay. You're great. And all of those things. So it's, yeah, I almost feel that those tugs more. Yeah. You know, when they're little, you care more because there's a greater sense of vulnerability or they're, you know, oh, I'm going to climb up the banister and up to the second story with my hands up on the wall and I'm going to walk up and you're like, no, don't do that because you're going to fall and hurt yourself. And then you're responsible. Yeah. (laughs) 
Because you shouldn't have shown them that in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> that's daddy's move. Yes, that's that's, that's Friday how I do night it. after bed. Daddy's yeah. move. Did you always want to be a parent? Um, I, so I knew you were going to ask this, and I was trying to think. Like, yeah, everybody I, says I, that. I guess I got to take all those offline, eh? No, well, and just do individual and let them know. Like, such remove the show. Exactly, like, it's up yeah. for no one can listen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, like when I was younger, I don't really remember thinking about having a family like when you're a kid you play house and all of that stuff and um I think there was a period in my late teens and early 20s where I was like if I make it to 25 it'll be a miracle (laughs) so I wasn't really thinking about kids at that point um but I think kind of as I settled into like whatever your definition of adulthood is as I settled into that I thought yeah no I think that I'd like to have kids I'd like to be a, a dad um as my brother uh, had his first child. It was yeah. like, oh, I like being an uncle and it'd be cool to have a family and, and all of that. So I think, I think probably I always did, but it wasn't something I thought a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. So your kids are, so my kids are one and three and your yeah. kids are six and 10. Yeah. Um, so my kids aren't really, my memories start when I'm about four or five or six. Yeah. Now that you see your kids sort of living lives that you have a memory of, mm-hmm. do you feel a sense of nostalgia through your children? Like, do, does something trigger? Because sometimes you look at your kid and you're like, that kid looks just like me, or yeah. I do that same thing. Well, there's I have moments of that. I think a lot of people have said that my son and I look a lot alike, and so I can see bits of me at that age through him. Yeah. Um, two years ago now, we had done a big, like a, my family and my brother's family and my mom and my sister um all went to disneyland and i went when i was a kid when i was about eight so i was about the same age as my yeah eight no i was 10 when we went okay but i was you know similar age group and i remember the memories of that trip kind of coming back being there with my kids and then also thinking oh my god how do my parents tolerate being there with us (laughs) um and sometimes when my when my kids fight i remember some fighting with my sister about stuff. Yeah. So there's weird things that yeah. kind of trigger it. When they're at each other's throats, I'm like, yep, yeah, yeah. there it is. Sounds, yeah. smells, yeah, it contains exactly. it all, right? It's yeah. all those triggers for senses. Um, when when you, because you mentioned earlier that you, you try not to protect your kid. You, you, I, let me yeah. rephrase that. <clears throat> you try to allow your kid to fail to have yeah. that sense of uh, responsibility. Yeah. Or at least to try and, if we're going to help him, it's to to give him the steps not to do the work for him necessarily but if he wants to try something but he doesn't like i'm going to do this on my own well do you know what x y and z is and then try and then just let him go off and do it yeah um so yeah but it's you know you don't want to i never wanted to be a helicopter parent right like that was one of the big things is like i'm not going to be a helicopter parent and then you have a kid and my son has ADHD and he's very impulsive or can be. And it's like, no, you have to be right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not hovering, I swear to God. <laughs> when I need a roundhouse kick to the mind about interesting Edmonton tidbits, I turn to the Edmonton Community Foundation and the Well Endowed Podcast. Up next for the Well Endowed Podcast are stories about the Edmonton Folk Fest the Terra Center and how it's incorporating Indigenous cultural learning to help support teen parents, and about the Alberta Helping Animals Society which provides free veterinary care to pets owned by low-income people. Visit the Edmonton Community Foundation at www.ecfoundation.org and spoil your ears with the Well-Endowed Podcast at www.thewellendowedpodcast.com.
do you um does your is your son interested in what you do he's like daddy what are you doing Daddy, why do people hate on you? The internet so much. I, Daddy, I read the comments. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, I, he doesn't go online that often. So What's a slobber gargle, Daddy? Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's um, he is interested. You yeah. know, we the Edmonton Sun for a while was publishing the the Fraser Institute's um, school rankings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like every year, someone from the office has their kid as the the face of the front. So he got to be on the front page of the paper one year. Like yeah. other other people have had their kids do that. But he's always thought it was pretty cool that I worked for the newspaper. I don't think my daughter is as interested in it, but yeah. my, my son does. Yeah. Kind of find it fascinating. Does when, he go ahead? Well, I was, you know, when he found out I was doing a podcast, he listens to there's a science fiction for kids podcast done out of the States that he's a big fan of. When he said, Oh, you're on a podcast? I'm like, Well, yeah, it's not like the story. No. <laughs> you're not gonna listen to no. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure of that. <laughs> so yeah i mean he's i think he finds the news kind of interesting and yeah he, you know we have that on in the house and we read papers and all of that and what are some of the things that catches his attention the comics okay <laughs> okay well that's actually that's one of the other things to go back to your earlier question about what what makes you nostalgic for your childhood and mm-hmm. seeing him read the paper mm-hmm. um because we'll still get a print copy to the house i read everything online now because I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's easier. <laughs> I'm trying to kill my industry. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic. Uh, but so he'll. But I remember growing up and reading. Uh, we had subscriptions to both dailies here in Edmonton, yeah. and and reading when I was younger, reading the comics and maybe looking at the sports pages and and the sh- entertainment pages. But then as I got older, becoming more interested in news, and I had you know members of my family um, who were very interested in current events and current affairs. And, and so there's that seeing my son read the paper, even if it's just for the comics, it brings me back to being a kid and getting up in the morning, eating cereal and having the comics out in front of me. I always thought that was fun. Yeah. 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 Your brother's a journalist as well. Yes. Are your parents in any of that? No. Um, my grandfather, my mom's dad was a reporter at the Edmonton journal in the forties or fifties. And then he moved to Calgary and he worked for the Calgary Herald and he died in late 1978, I think. Like I was only about a year old or something when okay. he passed away. But he was he was a journalist for a long time. Um, my grandmother worked as she started. That's where they my grandmother and and my grandfather met was at the Journal when she took advertising copy. Like she worked in the downstairs area. People come in with copy for advertisements. Yeah. Um, but her dad ran a weekly paper in Holden, okay. Alberta, like out Highway 14. On the way to Wainwright, I think. I've never yeah. actually been to Holden. I feel really, now I'm feeling really <laughs> guilty as a grandson. I've never been to, we'll to place my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's some news uh, in the family. There's some, some interest in news in the family. But even growing up, you know, my grandmother and her sister, very interested in U.S. politics. Uh, her sister lived in uh, Missouri for a number of years. And okay. so there's always, like, I remember the the Iran-Contra hearings yeah. being on TV at my grandma's house. Ollie North, I remember and I was that like, handsome, yeah. who's that handsome man <laughs> dressed all like a military? Um, so yeah, I think there's, you know, yeah, there's, the business kind of runs in the family, but at the same time, I think there's just an interest in, in certain goings-on in the world that's always been around. Yeah. Yeah. If your son or daughter wants to get into it, you know they're going to be living at home for a long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to be living in the basement. You yeah. know, I, I... Dad, is this a misplaced modifier? Also, uh, can I have keys to the car? <laughs> <laughs> 
if they expressed interest in it, I'd say, hey, look, if you're if that's something you really want to do, but I don't necessarily think that you need to do something that I did just because you're interested in it. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, you know, I can take solace in the fact, and I'm not saying this to be to belittle my son. Just <laughs> <laughs> he struggles with writing right now. Like okay. that's one of the things that we're working on in school yeah. and trying to work on at home. So I don't see him picking up like I'm going to go into journalism and be a reporter. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's really imaginative, bright kid, but, you know, putting stringing ideas together. And I fall into that trap, too. I think yeah. he can take after me in some ways. Yeah. I try and do any creative writing, and I have, like, it all works in my head. <laughs> yeah, then you sit and down. And then I sit down, and I'm like, oh, shit, what comes next? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you leave your work at work? It's, uh, the times are a little squirrely for everything out there um how do you leave it at work especially since you're like you're not just a journalist yeah you know you take a brunt a lot of the i sometimes i struggle with that i think if you were to ask my wife she'd say that i don't leave it at work (laughs) as well as i should um sometimes it's just a matter of putting the phone away i've done my best this week to not really be on social media too much i'll pick it up sometimes in the evening and then See Realize something you that, shouldn't pick it up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so it's a struggle. And sometimes, I, you know, I leave when I leave work, there's two or three different balls in the air. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that they're caught. Yeah. So just wanting to go home and kind of pay attention to that. But I usually try and leave it alone, get through dinner with the kids, get through, you know, bedtime and story time and, and get them to bed. And then and then I may pick it up again and just see what's going on. Yeah. Are you a, a, do you know a bit about history at all? Do you ever, being a journalist, someone who edits a, you know, a couple of papers, do you know of any time in history where something like this, an attack on the press in, in, in such a way has happened uh, in, since the... Well, I mean, nothing happened in, on Earth before I was born, right? That's, like, that's right. right. That's right. right. And um, nobody in this room exists because we're all living in the ideas that you're creating in your own mind. If we leave the room, we just dematerialize. Yeah. Right. So exactly. you know that you're the only person. Yeah. yeah. These microphones aren't even here. No, exactly. No. Okay. No. You're sleeping. Um, well, I know <laughs> that if you go into the, the foyer at the journal building, there is a Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know of many Canadian publications that have won a Pulitzer Prize, but the Edmonton Journal did back in the 30s because of editorials it wrote um, speaking out against, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this wrong, but um, William Abel Eberhardt's uh, attempts to crack down or control the press. Okay. Um, I find it strange in a place like the U.S. or Canada or seemingly like Western democratic countries where the press is kind of under as much scrutiny as it would be in a place like China or North Korea or mm-hmm. um, Syria or even Russia. Like, there, that's what I'm finding strange about what's going on uh, in the U.S. right now is that these are things that aren't supposed to happen. Here. Like, mm-hmm. fine, you don't like the press. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We're used to not being liked. But the idea that, that there are people out there who are uh, ginning up the notion that we're either making things up or we're not giving the whole truth or we're hiding something or we're in league with certain people. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't, that's what I still find baffling. Mm-hmm. Well, people think that the columns are journalism, right? They think that if it's in the paper yeah, and it's a columnist, they think that that's what the, the whole paper beholds and that's what everybody believes in the paper. Well, I think that's, the, I mean, that's the other problem is that 
I know that the there are people out there who see columnists as not journalists, and mm-hmm. I disagree with that notion. I think column writing is a form of journalism, mm-hmm. um, and there are different kinds of columnists. There there are straight opinion writers who are their commentators or their op-ed writers, and and um, they're supposed to act like op-ed is the opposite of not necessarily the opposite of the editorial, but they. Um, they offer sometimes a different view to the editorial or they, they offer expanded commentary on an issue that the paper's been writing about. And I mm-hmm. think th- that's important. Um, but then you have other columnists who do advocacy work or do like, I, you know, in Edmonton, people know the name Paula Simons and she's one of those, uh, one of those journalists in town. She writes from a, a point of view, mm-hmm. but she also, uh, brings a lot of, background and research and mm-hmm. and will kind of dig to get the story like her mm-hmm. work on the the case of that the young girl the young girl serenity who who um was in um kinship care and and wound up in hospital and and end up ended up dying um her work on that story is the kind of advocacy journalism that is important even if she comes at it from a point of view i mm-hmm. think it's i think it's more impactful to use a really horrible word. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate that. Impactful is not yeah. a good word. Um, but I think it it's bolstered by having a point of view. Yeah. So. That's true. And you can understand that because we are all opinionated. Yeah. And sometimes you do need to, you know, lance the boil in a way and get, exactly. the, get the feelings out there. Uh, speaking of, of lying, um, what was one of the biggest lies you were told about being a parent? You'll be a great dad, Dave. No, I'm kidding. No one ever told me that. You can't say it to yourself. <laughs> I think, I don't know if there's uh No there's major a, No major. I think the one that I find was maybe like, they were stretching the truth a little bit was, mm-hmm. you'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm still, I'm 10 years in, I'm yeah. still figuring this out. Yeah. So maybe like, you'll figure it out eventually. Yeah. You'll figure some stuff <laughs> yeah, out. Exactly, yeah. Um, that second before you die. Yeah. Oh, fuck. And then it's over. Yeah. So, you know, like it's one of those, like every, every month, every week, almost every day, like there's something, you either learn something new about your kid or you learn something new about yourself through your parenting, or you learn a new thing that they do that drives you crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like, I don't know if I'll ever figure it out and that's okay in a lot of ways. I like the learning process. Um, we had to do a lot of self-teaching when our son was diagnosed with ADHD. How old was he when he was he diagnosed? He was five. Okay. So he'd always been a busy kid. He'd always been um, easily risable mm-hmm. um, and impulsive and dis- could display a lot of anxiety or rigid thinking mm-hmm. um, or fixation and... We would get tons of like, oh, he, you know, you just need to go outside more, try a different diet, or it's like all of these Don't things. Don't eat weight. Don't. So we do. Yeah. We we you know we did try some of these things, but this we had a kid who was he was outside every day. Mm-hmm. I would we my wife and I worked opposite shifts at the time, and I would be home with him in the mornings. Mm-hmm. I'd take him. That's the first thing I do after breakfast. All right, we're going to the park. Or yeah. We're going out. We're going for a walk. We're yeah. going to get you outside. We're going to run you around and stuff. And even still. Uh, that was a challenge. And then we were diagnosed and, uh, when he was about five, and a lot of that made sense. It was was fit. it a sense of relief when you had – it's not an answer to a question, no. but it's a, a set of goals you can aim yeah. towards. I yeah, guess. and it, it kind of helps you – it gives you a place to start looking for information, like as mm-hmm. opposed to 
because I, you know, I didn't know a ton about ADHD. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I knew a couple of kids growing up who had ADHD mm-hmm. and, and, but I didn't really know a lot about it. And so it offered us a, a starting point to say, okay, well, what are some challenges? What are some areas where kids with ADHD succeed in? Because for us, it's not just all about challenges. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, what are some of his strengths or, you know, what can we... He's tall. What sports would he be? Yeah, what, what yeah, can yeah. we leverage yeah. for strengths for him? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that would, that's been a huge weight in some ways, but also it's been an interesting adventure in other ways mm-hmm. and, and trying to see the world how he sees it um, or how to look at things from his perspective, which isn't, which is different from ours. And even that's the one thing about parenting. I think that I've learned the most is really being able to look at things from someone else's perspective. And maybe that was a failing on, on me as a person generally mm-hmm. before I had kids. But um, I think that that's been yeah, that's I'm just having a light bulb moment right now. Well, I would <laughs> I would agree with you. Empathy was not something that yeah. I carried around in my back pocket before I had And that's something else. that I think I even I even had to learn yeah. is you know is empathy and that's been huge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh I asked you to bring something that would uh remind you of your little ones. You did, and it's weird cuz they're always uh forefront in my thoughts all yeah. the time, my kids. So I don't, you know, I have pictures of them it's on my pack phone. of smokes, date. I'm no, I have pictures of them on my phone, but the one the one thing yeah. and it's weird cuz it wasn't given to me by my kids. Yeah. Um it was given to me a, a reporter that uh worked when I was assistant city editor in in Calgary. Um he had gone away to visit family in the Philippines and he came back with a a Simpsons keychain for me and it's homer simpson <laughs> yeah and there's something about thinking about the simpsons and, and homer simpson who's yeah. my favorite tv dad of all time yeah and it makes me think of my kids just kind of indirectly but that's yeah it must be always humbling to this. do you look up to homer or are you just like the fact that he does his own thing he does his you, own thing and yeah. and and you can look down on homer yes, like, exactly. I'm, I'm a better parent <laughs> exactly. than homer no exactly. i <laughs> you can always do better than Homer Simpson. He's he's well-meaning. And I think that's, you know, at the end of it, every every parent is well-meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or most of them anyway. <laughs> Try to be. Um, what are you working on now as a dad? What is something that, uh, um, that you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this today. And you forget it by the end of the day, as we all do. But I think as our daughter is kind of going through a phase and – we didn't necessarily get this goth. With, is it a goth phase? Well, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, <laughs> but we, I didn't really get this with our son at that age. But our daughter, I'm, I don't know if it's she's dealing with a lack of attachment or insecurities. But there's a lot of kind of ups and downs emotionally. Yeah, and I think keeping my head about me, and maybe it's something I'm having to relearn. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but just you know, when she f- has a tan, like she's tantruming, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, this is odd. Yeah, because <laughs> our son, our son would have tantrums, but it wasn't be like someone bumped him and then he. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So managing to keep, uh, just reminding myself to take those few deep breaths or yeah. trying to step away don't re- and don't uh, react immediately. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. That's something that we're kind of working on right now. And I think just the idea that we need more one-on-one time with each of the kids. Our lives are, you know, lives are fairly busy and it can be hard um, to get that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And I I 
we go in fits and starts where, you know, we may take one of the kids and do something with them. But I think the realization that both of us need that to work on the individual relationships with the kids as opposed to we're all one big group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Identity, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your, your role within the family, all these yeah. things are extremely important. Yeah. Um, I remember one of my uh, earliest my earliest memories was I think I was six or seven, and I remember sitting in a room full of other kids, and it was just in a class setting, and a guy came in, and he was teaching us something, and I remember thinking, that he, and then he got to leave the class. I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. He just comes in, and he does his thing, and he leaves, and he goes in his car, and he goes away. And uh, I had this sort of, I was watching my son while I was having this train of thought, and I remember thinking, it is extremely difficult to be six or three mm-hmm. or seven it's extremely difficult these ages when your bodies are doing things that you have no idea and you're experiencing things for the first time and your mind's going and you're trying yeah. to find your place in the world. We don't see that as difficult as or, or adults, parents sometimes don't see that in their kids as like, that's a fucking difficult situation you're going through, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's go to your room. Like you can go to your room, but what happens in there? Yeah. Like it's, I don't think we have that grasp that we used to. Well, because that's... we went through it and we, and we managed to keep ourselves alive yeah. to we get to this point you before you get all of that you, yeah you can remember the the hardship of being 25 and, yeah. and like losing my keys yeah, exactly. again yeah but it's it is hard to kind of remember some of those those things that you know you just think childhood is one big happy game yeah and then you you realize well maybe it's not maybe like just kind of again re- remembering that these are they're full-fledged emotional beings yeah. that struggle and and trying to Again, put yourself in those perspectives. And they don't have the emotional language to tell you how they're feeling. And Oh, God, no. I would, uh, my youngest, <laughs> or my, my, my oldest, my three-year-old, throws tantrums. And now, because I'm carrying my, usually carrying my one-year-old, if he's flipping out in a grocery store, I'm laying down beside him on the ground saying, yeah, man, this sucks. Yeah, this sucks. What's good? What's up? What are you angry about? Yeah, it sucks. You can't have the cereal. Yeah, I'm gonna, this is just, this this is crap. And not only is it therapeutic, but in a way it's sort of, makes me understand how tough it is to be anybody. Going back to empathy. Yeah. Putting yourself in a situation of somebody, um, which is something we're lacking, I think, with our first response Twitter reactions and our Facebook things, because we're so detached, mm-hmm. right? We have basement heroes who, of course, they're going to write a, uh, a, a large hate speech rant about something, because they're not in anybody's face. There's no human ca- connection to yeah. it anymore. I find that's one of the biggest things that... I'm going to work on with my kids a lot is seeing people as people, like seeing them as humans, not just another number that you get to force your ego on. Well, that's, and that's something that we've, we've tried to do with our son, especially because I think that he working, the big piece is working on the emotional vocabulary Mm -hmm. because that's, that is another area he struggles with. And I think that I was like that a lot when I was a kid. Um, And some of it would come out as anxiety. Some of it would come out as, um, lashing out or, or, um, getting angry, spazzing out. I think yeah. I'm sure I had kids I call me that. a spaz when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> oh, I seen you actually, yeah. I remember you spazzing out. I remember bringing that up. You spazzed out in uh, J school. Remember you flipped out on uh, one of our instructors. They you probably just, deserved it. Oh, they? they actually did deserve it. And I just remember like <laughs> sitting back and feeling like a big relief. Somebody's <laughs> finally calling somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Something about deadlines and and like instructions not being clear. And it was that halfway. It was I think it was right after we had the big turnover with all yeah. the teachers, where we 
gutted the the course. And... It's fun. I I apparently black out most of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, dude, your training kicked in. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You were wearing like this weird army fatigues when you came into <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's working on that that uh, trying to identify what he's feeling yeah. because I think a lot of times he just gets flooded with emotion and then it's just freeze. And then you're thinking about your emotions, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so trying to work that out with him and then also see how we can impact how other people feel. Mm-hmm. We also have to teach him that how he responds to things is his choice and it's, you know, mm-hmm. you can choose how you respond even if you're upset. You can choose whether you yell or hit or just say, hey, mm-hmm. that was that really upset me. Mm-hmm. Um, but understanding that choices he makes can have that impact on people. And, and that's a, and that's a challenge. Yeah. As a wizard class synthetic user interface, I don't get out much. But, floating around the interwebs, I have gleaned many things. One is that the Alberta Podcast Network is lousy with awesome podcasts. For example, the Pop Cycle Podcast. A pop culture connections podcast with Eric Newby and Christian Zip. Check them, before they wreck them, at www.popcyclepod.com. Bless. Do you find that you're, because being a helicopter parent isn't, isn't just trying to keep your kids physically safe. Mm -hmm. It's being emotionally safe. Um, My kid was uh, budding in line and these kids were like six or seven kids were giving them what for, telling them the rules. Yeah. And I wanted to step in because they're yelling at my kid, but the part, the the right thing to do is let him get yelled at because he was budding. Um, do you find yourself having to differentiate between a lot of those things, especially in social settings? Like, fuck society right now, to tell you the yeah. truth. I want my kid to go bite someone, you know? <laughs> I want him to run around with a sword and just, like, smack some... I'm kidding. I'm fine. Anyway, uh, back, back to the original question. <laughs> well, I mean, he's at an age now where a lot of that is dealt with through peer groups, right? Mm-hmm. Is And kids are in that, I think, 10 to 13 have no issue telling like dude you're your being face weird is stupid <laughs> you smell like your butt is on your hands yeah like stop making that no- like yes. stop making that noise like stop just like kids will will self police to a certain point and i don't think that's bullying no that's no not like bullying. that's like but i've i've heard it referred to that way is that kids will be mean to other kids i think that you know, like as long as it doesn't become a prolonged yeah. like Every day they're picking on that thing, but if it's like they'll, it's the point of performance, right? If they they do something unexpected is a word that we use a lot mm-hmm. in our house. If they do something unexpected in a social situation, for the most part, their peer group will correct them, mm-hmm. so we don't have to like. But sometimes it's you know if we're at a place and he's butting in line, or if he's if he's, um, as he can be quite impulsive, and he'll just kind of jump up in my face and make a loud noise, and yeah. I just say, "Hey, buddy, that was un- there's lots of people around. They don't need to hear." That kind of so it's you know it's finding the right time to correct them. Sometimes it makes sense to correct them mm-hmm. when they do something. Other times, you kind of let it and work itself out. Of you. Yeah, if your kid is doing something and you're like, what the hell? they see that as wrong, wrong, wrong. But if yeah. your kid is doing something, you're like, hey, you know, let's calm down a bit. Yeah, I used to work at the Autism Society. Okay, and um, a lot of that was parents having to deal with the fact that their child is their child. Mm-hmm. And when they're in public, their children are going to do things. Yep. And people are going to learn from you how to react to your child. Yeah. And it's a lot about teaching other parents too. And I think there's there's a lot of anxiety when you when you have a child with exceptionalities 
um, and they're prone to outbursts when they're in public. I think there's a there's an anxiety that parents have where they feel like, and I've had this sensation, where you feel like everybody is watching mm-hmm. you and what you're going to do. Um, and then that makes you anxious and that almost makes you more prone to have an outburst of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... It's one of the things we learned after we got a dog. It was calm, assertive energy. <laughs> yeah, calm, assertive energy. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> um, and and so that's part of it. But also, I kind of got past the point of giving a crap whether yeah. the people are looking at me or not, because yeah. I realize my kid is my kid, and that's who he is. Yeah, he's gonna make a noise or maybe do something unexpected, um, and just whatever. I don't I don't care if you're looking at me. So I'm putting that out, Edmonton. I don't care if you're looking at me. So <laughs> Everybody long as like, look at day. Not in my house. <laughs> exactly. Not through your windows. Just while I'm out in public. Yeah. And my kids. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, w- this will probably be one of the last questions. But what are some of the... You're a man who purveys information. Yeah. You give information for people. You share knowledge. What are some of the more difficult conversations you foresee yourself having with your kids? Um, I think that... Uh, I'm hoping that the the sex talk is is better. I worry more about having the drugs talk. Yeah. Just either, you know, I'm not going to not going to sit here and lie to to anybody. Like I you know, I've done my yeah. I had some fun. It's, the devil's lettuce is legal now, Dave. I had well almost. But even even that, like conversations around around drugs and alcohol and making making responsible choices or trying to convey because there is nuance in that conversation Mm -hmm. i mean having the sex talk and saying like if you want to have sex when you're young you want to make sure you protect yourself or or use birth control or Mm -hmm. or you know though that seems like an easier more black and white Mm -hmm. kind of conversation i'm never going to tell them like no it's evil to do before Mm -hmm. you're married but the the drugs conversation is because i don't believe in the in the conversation that what, who was it, Mr. Mackey from South Park? Drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's it's being able to say, look, you may be pressured to make decisions that you don't feel comfortable making, but we want, like, I I don't know yeah. what how, what messaging best to give there. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to sound hypocritical, but I also don't want to give him a whole bunch of information about his dad that he may not need at a yeah. young age. Yeah. When he's a little you older, you got to get a talk. lucky spoon. You yeah. got to get a lucky spoon and keep it with you at all time. <laughs> uh, I, th- I can agree. I, I don't know if I'm going to have a hard time with those conversations yeah. with my kids. I think my conversations with my kids are going to be what's truth. Yeah. Like what does, what is there a God? Like those are the things I'm going to have because my wife and I are very much polarized when yeah. it comes to that type of thing. Uh, thankfully, they haven't really asked much. I've gotten yeah. the question, "Who's Jesus?" And I'm like, "Well, Jesus was God's guy. kid. He's a <laughs> we didn't know we didn't get that far. <laughs> God's kid." Um, but yeah, like the the whole a lot of it has to do with with truth, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to lie to your kids. Yeah. I mean, it, we lie to our kids a lot, just yeah. in general. But those are there are certain things you don't want to lie to them about. And, mm-hmm. and I agree. Like you want to come from a position of truth when you're talking about serious subjects, mm-hmm. because you want them to take your what you're saying seriously and and respect that you're being honest with them and then they hopefully will reciprocate that mm-hmm. if they're ever in trouble or have any challenges yeah i don't know there's still the, the something about the drugs talk more than the sex talk yeah that i think may be troubling. You, have you had bad experiences with with maybe some friends that like is that why it's a, it's no. going to be a difficult thing no. do you think the drugs are going to be different when you're 10 years from now five years from now when you're 
If they are, maybe I can try it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, this is the way it works in the Breckenridge yeah. House. Anything you come in there over ten bucks, I gotta try it first. Yeah. Okay. So I'll be down uh, in my dungeon. I'll call it the Snuggle Dungeon, and uh, leave Daddy alone for twenty-four hours. Well, I know, I know one guy who, who a very blunt, honest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation around drugs, he said to his son, is like, look, I don't care what you want to do when you're twenty-five. I'll smoke weed with you when you're 25, mm-hmm. but don't you gotta wait? Gotta mm-hmm. Just let your brain finish growing, mm-hmm. and then do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, <laughs> pardon my language. You can bleep that out, no, right? I'm no, not going to. in fact, it's gonna have an echo effect. On nice. That. Okay. You listen to the one that we did last week. It was filthy, eh? The Elena Porter one. We were <laughs> filthy, and I what was with the murder stuff? I don't know what happened. Like people are gonna think I'm drunk when I do this stuff. I should have like a pee test before I do this. <laughs> but yeah, I. I so a conversation like that, mm-hmm. I think, is a good way to approach it. But I don't, I don't know. There's something about it that just mm-hmm. kind of like, there's so. It feels like there's higher stakes there. Yeah. And wanting to make sure you get the language right. Yeah. There's every type of effect. Yeah. Affectation to it because it's social. It's yeah. body. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave, is there anything that I didn't cover that you might have wanted to uh, to cover? Something that I you wanted me to ask, or maybe something you didn't want me to ask that I get to ask now. I don't. I I don't know. I because you know again it's a conversation. You kind of yeah. let things flow where they they go. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I feel bad. I just realized I barely talked about my daughter. It was mostly fo- like there's a lot more about my son, and, yeah. and she's gonna listen. Yeah. <laughs> she's. <laughs> this will be something else yeah. she's gonna talk about in therapy. Just get her a Morrissey yeah. album, and she'll be fine. <laughs> get her two Morrissey. I thought album. you were gonna say get her a horse. <laughs> get her a horse too. No. You should get her two then. I think we could do that. Hey Andrew, we could do that. I want to buy a horse bit. Want to do some improv? Okay, you you have a horse stable. I want to buy a horse. Ready? Hey, I want to buy a horse. What kind of horse would you like? Something edible. I don't know if I want to sell you a horse if you're going to kill it and eat it, but this one isn't too stringy. End scene. That was awesome. <laughs> hey, two for two on the horse buying. That's why they're the superfood, right? I just, the, the Fuck funny you, quinoa. Thing, horses the, the are thing the about improv, there's actually the one thing I just want to say. Hmm. I feel that if... The audience was just my kids. I would be way better at improv. <laughs> I feel I like voices and 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 like Puppets. scene stories and everything. I, you know, I should have been recording it the whole time I, when they were young. <laughs> yeah, I used to tell my son stories that were just like a tree flying to save some ducks, and it was yeah. like, my dad is screwed up, man. My dad is screwed up. I just see him saying that type of stuff. But we're we're really you're probably fairly creative with your kids, aren't you? I try to be like yeah. yeah. I don't. It's just you know, especially when they're they're younger. There's a lot of, like reading with them and doing voices mm-hmm. and um like I've I'll have I think I'll cher- cherish memories of reading stories to my kids and trying to do all the voices. Yeah. Like with uh, my daughter doesn't like it when I do accents though. She my freaks bro- out. My son doesn't either. He yeah. doesn't stop talking yeah. like that. But Finley, uh, my son, he. Um, We'd, we'd read the Harry Potter books. And so I'd do my best, imp- try and do my best impressions mm-hmm. of Robbie Coltrane and, and Maggie Smith. And my Dumbledore's terrible, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. I can't get the voice right for him. Dave Breckenridge, his Dumbledore is shit. Exactly. <laughs> Dumbledore's shit, Breckenridge. Um, thank you, Dave. I well, really appreciate you coming here and sharing, sharing the information. Uh, and what's the name of the, the newspaper that you work for? Uh, the Sun Journal Examiner. No. <laughs> How's the exa- I used to work at the Examiner. Yes. Hey? How's the Examiner? 
It's doing good. We yeah. got a nice, we got a young, good young guy working there yeah. now. A new website's going to launch soon, which is What's good. What's with the websites again? Uh, so they're, they're not doing the whole samey websites. Yeah, they're well. They're going to be. I, they're going to look the same, but they're just moving to the same back end that the Suns and the journals are on, okay. so we can share stories yeah. more easily. And so, um, if there's a good local community story that should be in the Examiner, it's easier to share over, and yeah. it's easier to use. It's a better. You worked in that other website yeah, thing. It's terrible. Uh, and then the podcast I'm working on is called Ten Three uh, Canadian News Covered. I, I think that's what. It's slugged as Apple. On and 10-3 is the 10 provinces and three, three territories. territories? Yes. Okay. And this week we talked about Doug Ford, and I don't know what, I'm back from holidays next week, so I'll, yeah. I'll see what... You just make it up on the fly, eh? We try, like, Monday and Tuesday, we try and settle in, pick a topic, and then record it on Wednesday and hope nothing, like, major happens between when we record it and when it's out. Can you make me a promise? Yeah. Can you do the whole buying a horse improv thing, just out of the blue, on the next person you talk to? Just <laughs> end it, No, end it quick, though. Like, I want to buy a horse. Okay, here's a horse. And you're like, I feel like I actually bought a fucking horse. This is magic. It really works. I'll try that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank All you. All right. I'd like to thank Andrew Paul for producing this episode. I'd also like to thank the Edmonton Community Foundation for the recording space and the support. I'd also also like to thank Nathaniel Sutton of Brother Octopus slash Defend the Rhino slash whatever it is the heck he's working on for the intro music. You can find me at theundad.com or online at theundad on Twitter or just type in the undad on Facebook. Or you can email me at trent at thetrentwilkie.com. Or you can just see me on the street and give me a way too long hug. Sometimes you like it. Sometimes it makes you go.